Because I feel like, however totally arbitrary it is that, you know, just somehow the date changes, I keep feeling like I can put the bad things to rest and go forward with hope. Really? I, I envy that. Because it never feels any different to me. Everybody's always Oh, like, it doesn't feel different. Oh, okay. I just, I like psych myself out. Yeah. That. This is my year. Kind yeah. Of thing. Like, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. It can't be... As bad as 2015. Did you do any resolutions? You know, I really thought a lot about it. Um, I don't really do resolutions. I like to do, like, goals and focus on things. Like, you know, I like to have a focus for the year. You know, last year I was really good about my exercise routine. Mm -hmm. You are good about that. And I was going to say pull. <laughs> That's not right. No, you don't do pole dancing. You do bar. I do bar. Yeah. Which is pole standing. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, and I did, and I, like, went back this year and looked, and, and I, I did, like, I worked out 20 out of 30 days on average. That's great. Which is really, I yeah. felt, like, pretty good about that. But, I mean, I it's not like I changed my body in any way. <laughs> So but you can feel good. 20 out of 30 is a good, yeah, that's a great I'm fairly ratio. fit. I mean, I'm still like a fat person. You look but, great. <laughs> well, I don't look great. But then I keep thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could lose 20 pounds or something? And then I talk myself out of that being a resolution. Because mm -hmm. I think that it's just, it just yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah. That's just you a know. way for you to feel shitty about your meat sack. Yeah. You know, because you'll be like, oh, I didn't gain, I didn't lose 30 pounds, which is a huge amount of weight. 20. 20. 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> You're already like, yeah, you should probably lose, no. you could stand to lose no, 30. That's not what I was saying. That I was could a, stand to lose 30, that but then I, every time I say that, people are like, that's an awful lot of weight. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I could just lose 20. And I, that's I'm sure what Dylan I would feel is like trying amazing. That's why I popped in my head, because Dylan's Dylan wants to lose 30 pounds. And even him, I'm like, but you're not even fat. And he's like, babe, I'm enormous. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I think I have a hard time seeing weight on people. Yeah. Like, somebody, I'll be like, you lost weight. You look great. And they're like, I gained 40 pounds. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, it's all in your boobs. You I hate it when people have t tell me I've lost weight when I haven't lost weight. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you can see the internal struggle that I'm trying to lose weight. Yeah. I'm not really actually trying that hard. I never try that hard to lose weight because I love to cook. I love to eat. It's like one of the few joys in my life mm -hmm. is delicious food. And so if I think about having to change that, I'm like, well, what would I replace it that I would still feel like yeah. really positive about? That's what I've been saying to Dylan because he's been upset with, he's like, I shouldn't be eating this shit. And I'm like, do you want to, when you die, do you want to be like, man, I was so bony. Through right. my whole life. Like, I didn't eat any chocolate caramels from Lee's Candy, but I'm thin. And I'm like, who? I know. How satisfying. You know, like, I'll work, I work with somebody who eats, like, a, a steamed chicken breast. Oh, oh, God. With, like, I mean, I guess maybe she seasons it. But to me, that feels like the lowest of low experiences. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's... Like, that's, that says sadness to yeah. me. Yeah. And I... um, it's, you know, it's funny. I think people... Because when I first started comedy and kind of 
like got with this new group of friends, um, I was really sick. Like I had been in and out of the hospital and I had been sick for a few years. So I was like 90 pounds and I was scary thin. But everybody is still like, you're so tiny. You're so tiny. And I'm like, well, I've gained 40 pounds. <laughs> and I'm actually at a very normal person weight now. And I'm not that. But I think people like see you in a certain way. And then right. that's kind of how they see you forever. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm actually like pretty mom sized now. Like I'm okay. But people still see me like that. But also I don't have to struggle with my weight because I can't eat dairy. Right. So I don't get to eat anything that tastes good really ever. Like I don't have to steam my chicken breast, but I also don't get to fry it. Right. And cornflakes and roll it in buttermilk. It's a lot easier to to not gain weight when you can't eat good things. Yeah. When, like, your options are, like, pretty limited. I had dairy for the first time in um, three years just to test it to see how it would go. It went badly. No. Actually, it went okay. I had, um, so I had some Popeye's chicken, which was my – that's what I decided to indulge in. <laughs> After three years of not having dairy. Well, they say, I mean, I know a lot of people who've done the gluten-free thing, which I'm sorry, it isn't actually a real thing, people. <laughs> and all the science will tell you that, but good try in trying to be, to me, it's all about, I think people really needing control in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's one way of controlling it. But then, you know, if you don't actually eat gluten for a long time, and then you have even just a little bit, your body freaks out. And oh, yeah. everybody uses that as an example of... The fact that, oh, no, I am gluten intolerant when you just haven't had it. And so your body is reacting against it. And yeah. I think so probably with dairy, it's the same thing. You have to really, you have to ease really it gradually. In. Well, I was I've been allergic to it since I was a kid, which was hard because I grew up on a farm. So everything was all like, you know, milk and butter. And um, but so I just had hives all the time as a kid, just constantly like I'm actually allergic, allergic. Right. But then when I got sick, my immune system freaked out and I became like dangerously allergic to dairy, like yeah. trouble breathing and stuff. But, um, I, my immune system has gotten a lot better. And so I thought, well, I'll start kind of trying to introduce it back in slowly. Yeah. And so I have, this isn't the first time I've had any dairy. Like I've had little pieces of things just to see what my body does. And I've kind of been able to get away with it, but and I was, I was, I had a little dairy and it went okay. And I had a bite of a butter biscuit Ooh, wow. from Popeye's and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fuck everything else. I don't care if I shit my pants. I don't care if I gain 400 pounds. Like this is where it's at. This is where my happiness is, isn't in a Popeye's buttered biscuit. And for years I've been telling people like, I don't really miss dairy. I don't really, like, I don't think about it. I don't miss it. And when I had that, I was like, yeah, you do. Oh, now I remember. <laughs> yeah, now I remember. Now really I miss it. There is a lot to miss, FYI. Oh, yeah. You kind of get used to not eating it. So, you like, eventually, I think after a couple of years, you don't really think about it anymore. You don't remember that it's amazing. And then once I had that, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. I want to eat this all the time. So I'm really intolerant to intolerances in, with myself <laughs> as well because there was a period probably – and I think, you know, with women, it's your your hormones or whatever yeah. go crazy and all of a sudden your your body acts weird. Like, I also can't drink hard alcohol anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's a big part of why I can't so, drink is it's, it's not just like a an actual, you know, recovery thing is that my body like four years ago was like, so you're done with this. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, switch to, you know, switch to wine. No, no, you no, you're not. And I just can't even do it. So, yeah. So I, I went through a period where I was pretty severely lactose intolerant and then I was like using soy creamer in my coffee and things like that and I was still you know eating cheese and stuff on occasion but then a few months ago I was like you know what I just don't want to do this 
Yeah. I don't want to have to keep making accommodations for it. So I'm just going to pay attention and try not to eat like a whole pint of yogurt at once. The soy creamer is really good though. It is really good, but I'm nervous about the, the breast cancer oh, the potential. Oh, hormonal that, thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually eat any soy other than the soy creamer. I don't yeah. like soy at all. I eat coconut milk yeah. stuff that's really good and rich and creamy and super fattening. Yeah, super. Like, yeah, so you have to kind of think about that, I think, if you're replacing it. but Right. I just went back to I like that a you shamed yourself out of a <laughs> lactose intolerance. No! No! Well, I think like, you know, what I think what had happened was I was eating way too much dairy because I went through a like make your own granola and eat yogurt every single day. And I think I just went got like an overload. Yeah. And then I had to really back off. And then I was like, it's annoying to me to not, you know, so like I bought some yogurt and guess what? I'm totally fine. But I just didn't eat a whole carton of it. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's I think I'm, I'm seeing that I can probably get away with a little bit here and there. And I just have to be careful about it. But I was saying afterward that I was like, people were like, how did it go? And I'm like, oh, I was a little no- Ryan Nowacki in the morning. Because <laughs> he's totally comedian Ryan Nowak, totally lactose intolerant, continues to eat it, shits 75 <laughs> times a day. And is like, what? It's not a problem. And I'm like, mm, I've toured Maybe with you. you. I've toured with you enough to tell you it's a problem for sure. <laughs> So, yeah. Great. <laughs> well, let's talk about um, last week in Mansplain This to Me. Yeah. Please. You asked people. Why are you still texting? Yeah. Why are you still texting? And we actually got responses. We did. Yeah. But they were pr- privately texted to me. Oh, interesting. And um, why, I think, is because. <laughs> because it's shameful that you Because do it's it. shameful. <laughs> privately texted makes it sound worse than. No, actually. <laughs> With a dick pic. <laughs> Because I love you, dick pic. <laughs> no, actually, um, the two people who texted, the two guys who texted me about it said, um, why, are you, why are you still texting me? And not me specifically, right. but were like, and then sent me screenshots from their ex-girlfriends doing the same thing. Doing the same thing and being like, hey, just thinking about you. So my, one of my friends just went through a bad breakup in September and the, she broke up with him and kind of just, like, stopped talking to him. And he was like, hey, we've been together two years, and now you're not texting me back? And eventually she was like, oh, we're broken up, duh. And it, like, it was brutal, and it was he felt so rejected. So then she texts him on New Year's Day and is like, oh, I saw a bunch of pictures of you. because um, oh, now I'm feeling nostalgic because it's the New no, Year. Well, I saw a bunch of pictures of you on New Year's Eve. It looks like you were hooking up pretty good. Did you have a fun night? And he was like, no. I didn't hook up with anybody. I, like, worked the club, hung out with some people afterward, and went to bed. And she was like, oh, yeah, I hooked up with somebody, but it wasn't very good. It really made me miss you. And he, so he sent me a screenshot of that, and then he's like, what the fuck is that about? (laughs) That's pretty crappy. Yeah. And he was like, why is she still texting me? And then another friend of mine has been broken up with this girl forever, for, like, six months. No, for no longer than that, for, like, a year. And um, she's been, but she continued to text him for six months. Until six months ago, he stopped answering her. And then he saw on Facebook that she just got engaged. And then she texted him um, on New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, and was like, what, do you, what are your plans? What do you got going on tonight? He's like, you're fucking engaged. Like, you're, why are you texting me to be like, what are you doing tonight? And so they were like, I don't think it's a male thing. I don't think we can explain it to you. When no, I'm not happening. expecting it. I don't, I don't really think it is a male-female thing. What I think it is... What what my question was was who if somebody is doing this, 
I want to know why. Like, yeah. what is the reasoning behind this? What is the goal of this? And male or female, yeah. What is your end so game? So both here? of their both of their answers were were that that um, the people who doing it were immature, that they just were treating texting like like it's not the same as face to face interactions. Where you're like, if you see somebody, you're a lot more like, oh, this is you know this is kind of serious. I should be polite. But texting is like, eh. and so they're just being immature and like going through their whole like their phone and being like, oh, I wonder what he's up to. Not really realizing the repercussions of what that does for the person who's been broken up with, you know? So that's their feeling. But then I turned around and mansplained to them, like, no, those people are malicious. Those people are (laughs) fucking with you. Both of those women texted you on New Year's Eve to make sure you weren't getting laid and to remind you that they are. And they were both like, oh, shit. Yeah. But their mansplain was that that is an immaturity thing. But I don't think that's true. I don't know. I feel like it's still totally unresolved. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have any answers about this. I, I still find it really confusing. I think I still. And think, you know what? Maybe the thing is we're looking for one answer. Yeah, and, and it's it's, a, it's a lot of answers. It is immaturity. It is malicious. It is. Some people want to have a what did you call it a back back burner <laughs> back burner bitch back burner bitch. Some people are missing the person. Some people are immature. Like maybe yeah. it's just a lot of different things, and it just happens to take the same form, which is annoying texting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we did get to have a couple of responses, which I was excited about, but yeah. they were delivered privately. I did get one sort of shitty off-the-cuff answer that was just um, somebody uh, added me on Twitter and just said, it's because I wanted, but he was joking, but he was like, it's because I wanted to give you a little more time to think about this, sweetie. <laughs> I was like, all right. Thought about it. Thought yeah. about it. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so that's, I, I, I think you're right. It's kind of semi- unresolved because it's probably a range of shitty behaviors yeah. that cause that. Well, if anybody further has any insights, we can always revisit it. I'd yeah. be interested to do it. If you're doing it, if somebody's doing it to you, let let us know. Yeah. I have a good one for this week. Okay. And mansplain this to me, please. Um, and it's, uh, it's not a gender thing at all. Great. So in... So, I mean, to give a little backstory here, I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but so my stepdaughter had an, uh, you know, attempted suicide, a, a, attempted suicide attempt, which is kind of what it was on Christmas Day. Yikes. That was scary, but at the same time, like, there's a weird comfort in knowing that it was, like, a really half-ass teenager attempt. Like, I think it's a lot scarier to have a genuinely, terrifyingly suicidal lost kid than a kid who's, like, making a cry for help you know, looking for attention, looking for reinforcement. Um, but in, in dealing with all that, we, uh, we went through her phone and her computer and we've given her a lot of trust and a lot of leniency because she's always been a really good, really smart, mature kid until this came along for the most part. She's still, you know, 15. So that happened. We started going through her phone and her laptop and she's like obsessed and has a Tumblr page and like re-tumbles. I'm so old. <laughs> this is this is so ridiculous. In going through this stuff, I had to Google some of the things she was on. Like she's on like on her phone was this the Keek app, K-I-K. And she was keeking people. And I was like, I don't even know. Isn't that like somebody that some is. like hookup app? I don't know, Jocelyn. I don't know. <laughs> I still I Googled it and I went all through her messages and I was like, what? What is this? I think it's more like WhatsApp, like it's a 
group messaging. Hey, mansplain what kick is to me if you want, you guys. I think it's kick. Is it kick? Like, oh, kicking it? Like, let's kick, kick. it? Oh, okay, maybe? that's maybe true. <laughs> I, I have no idea there was, also. There were all these... Also, at- part of me really doesn't want to know. No. It sounds sort of icky. I always like. I always think, like, kick I'm a pretty, pretty cool hip, hip stepmom. <laughs> nope. There were apps on there that I had to, like, look up and be like, what is, what is this for? Like, there was, like, this picture messaging thing. That's kind of like Snapchat. I don't remember the name of it, but I was like, I don't even know what you would use this for. But so a lot of what they, she and her friends, this big group of not just girls, but mostly girls and a few guys. um, What they're mostly using it for is to share pictures of self-harm. Not even their own, but like just this sort of broadly glamorized self-harm that is so, I have always said, how will my kids rebel? Because, like, I was raised by hippies who smoked pot and, like, did drugs around me and, like, everybody's naked all the time and, like, we lived on communes and shit sometimes. Like, I was raised by super-duper hippies and I, my parents were always like, what will you do to rebel? And I rebelled, you know, by doing worse drugs and sleeping with older men and I, I found pretty good avenues for being a badass. But I was always like, how will my own kids rebel? Because I'm pretty laid back about sex and pretty laid back about drugs and, like, pretty moderate about a lot of things. But, like, looking through that, I was like, well, they certainly found something I don't understand. Yeah. And I feel like a 50s mom who's like, I don't get your rock music, you know? Because I'm like... Yeah, that's not even the same thing. But though. it's like, what the fuck? Well, but, like, if you were a 50s mom and then the counterculture, like, hippie revolution came around, it was so alarming and right, terrifying. So shocking, and, for sure. And just like, all oh, these kids running around with their, you know, their hair long and doing the LSD. I feel like that mom, except I'm like... Just, I mean, like, looking through the stuff she was sharing and, like, re-tumbling. I, is it just re- I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. Retumbling. I don't tumble. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> and, I, like, looking through it, I was just like, I don't understand this at all. Like, I don't. Did you ask her about it? We have, like, this has been ongoing, and we've talked to her about it before. And she was like, this is just a way. And so she has a, a blog, a Tumblr blog where she had been sharing suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. And when it came up like six months ago, when we found it, we were like, we don't like that you're doing this, but we're going to trust that it's a creative outlet for a lot of emotions that you're otherwise not acting on. Because we were like, not really sure, like to take it away from her would to be like to invalidate. This is partly on the advice of her counselor to would be to invalidate these feelings of sadness and things like that. So we were like trying to be supportive of the outlet while be also being like, you know, we trust you when you say, cause she would, she'd be like, I'm not actually suicidal. This is just how I express myself. And we'd be like, okay. But then now that this has happened, we've been like the Tumblr is gone. Like all this stuff, all this, like I told her, like you can't continue to glamorize this self-harm shit. Like we're not going to let you social media expand this. So, but I still, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I don't understand, like, when we were teenagers, we smoked pot and had sex with older dudes. <laughs> yes, we did. That was our, <laughs> that's how you rebelled. And, like, that's how you were like, fuck you, man, I do my own thing. And I don't understand, I get that this is, like, teenage self-expression, but I don't get what it means, what it fulfills, like, where what it is. Yeah, it's really hard for me to go back and think about the how that w- that kind of stuff was satisfying because I did the same thing you know I was 17 and I had a 30 year old boyfriend yeah and I was 
you know, smoking marijuana and drinking and smoking cigarettes and things like that. And now I see it so much from, you know, I see it through the eyes of an adult and am so angry at myself that I wasted so much time damaging myself. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's in the same way, like, like damaging yourself is the way that you show your, you know, your family or, or, you know, adult people, how independent and carefree and I don't know. Or even how you take ownership of your own body and your own life a little bit. Like you can't tell me what to do. This is mine. Right. Because I do think you could describe. And the only way that you can do that then is by self is through self-violence, which really, you know, those relationships and drugs and things, they were really, I mean, I don't feel like, you know, necessarily smoking pot is the worst thing in the world, but it was a really unproductive way to spend a lot of time. And it really prevented me from progressing in an adult life um, when I should have been doing that. Yeah. And pot wasn't my go-to drug of choice. Like shitty dudes, shitty dudes are my my go-to. And I could, I think you could even describe a lot of the relationships I had, especially 14, 15, 16 with older men as self-harm, like as cutting. Exactly. So I guess it's the same thing. It's a way to establish. Like I knew that it was really bad. Yeah. I knew that those people were not good people. Yeah. And I knew that they were harming me. And yet I sort of was seeking that out. It's like risky. It's just really typical risky teenage behavior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I could see that where you're like, you're you're sort of showing that you don't give a fuck and like being super counterculture. Like dating older dudes, everybody was always shocked by me. Like I was able to be really shocking by having some creepy twenty eight year old boyfriend. You <laughs> right. know. Right. So maybe like that is a way. Like the cutting stuff is a way to be super shocking. And I also. Like, I remember, so, like, so she went to the, the mental hospital here for a week over Christmas, and, but while she was in there, one of her friends was in and there. Another friend had just gotten out, and the, another friend had been in two weeks before. But when I was a teenager, like, you knew one kid who had been to the mental hospital, and, like, that was the really super fucked up kid. Like, it's, like, not, it's See, what was now. epidemic in my high school was teenage pregnancy. Oh. There was... Where did you go to high school? I went to Caldwell High. Okay. It was epidemic. Wow. So many girls that I went to high school with. I mean, I remember I was in art class, and I remember the first girl um, telling the the girl behind us that she was pregnant, and I'm pretty sure she was 14. She was either 14 Jeez. or 15. And then from that point forward, I, I swear, it was 50% of the girls that I went to high school with had babies wow. in high school, and several of them had multiple children. Wow. Yeah. So they stayed in school and just continued. Like, they did. And, you know, wow. I feel like the school, there was, there it was kind of at that time where they, like, the shaming of teenage uh, pregnancy was, like, they didn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I remember a lot of the girls had t-shirts made up that said baby 95, which was the year I graduated. Oh, Jesus Christ. And so the, it was like, baby everybody's walking around high school with their baby 95. Did you feel left out? Oh, God, no. Oh, no, no, no. Do you think some girls did? Do you think it, like, was kind of well, a thing? Well, I really do feel like it was a thing. It was yeah. a trend. Yeah. And, okay, yeah. I can you know, they were that. kind of, like, all in it together. So they weren't going to the mental baby hospital 95. together. But they, they were all t-shirts. having babies. Yeah. So. I, I'm trying to remember what the thing was at my school. I think I was, 
I was in choir and out of the loop enough, there was probably a cool trend going on that I was like, hey guys, what are we doing? What are we, you guys cutting? No. But I also, I was, Dylan, of course, was so upset by this. And I was a little more, I think being a step parent gives you enough room to kind of look at things. Um, well, and also, you know, his ex committed suicide. And so like suicide is super hot, scary topic in our house. But right. for me, I have a little more space from it. So I could be like, when I was 14, everybody was doing um, acid. And and I, when I was 14, for a year, and I only really did drugs for that one year, but I did anything anybody handed to me mm-hmm. to fit in. And not even because I liked it, just because that's what we were doing. And if if people had been like, hey, we're cutting, I'd have been like, oh, is that, we're cutting? That's what we're doing? And I'd have been all in. Like, no matter when I was 14, what you told me was the thing to do to fit in, I would have been all in. Right. I love when people talk about peer pressure. Yeah. Because it never required peer pressure for me. Yeah. Like, no. Like, you had to just make that, like, slightest suggestion. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever had to pressure me. I was always like, what are we, what are we doing, guys? Can I, I want to fit in. I want to be cool. Can I be cool? It was no pressure. No pressure. No. I just so, I was such a weird, awkward, dorky kid. And I, I wanted so badly to fit in that I would just do anything anybody else was doing. And so, yeah, if cutting, if cutting and like self-harming had been the thing, I'd have, I'd have the, the grossest tumbler up, <laughs> you know, and I've been like, yeah, me too, guys. We're, we're scraping. So, what, so you want I some like, insight. No, I feel like you, you've cleared it up. Okay. <laughs> I don't even need it, man. I don't know. You, I have no idea. All I know is I feel that like I was good. a miserable, horrendous yeah. person as a teenager. Yeah. And I did a lot of things. That just to really irk my parents Mm -hmm. and I was, I had, you know, I was just flagrantly acting up. Yeah. Um, and that actually went into my early twenties and then I was like, oh, I get it. I get to be rebellious, but then I actually have to live in the life that I've yeah, made. These are the consequences. So, like, I have to work at the shitty job, mm-hmm. and I have to live in the shitty apartment, and I have to be around these horrible people that I don't really like and I have nothing in common with. <laughs> I was like, I see rebelling actually makes me suffer. Yeah. Like, my parents still have a nice house <laughs> and nice cars, <laughs> and they're entertaining they're on the weekend. And I'm like, fuck you, fuck you. And then I'm like, oh, but I have to go home yeah. to like the shittiest, crappiest place because I'm working at Pizza Hut, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've made really poor friend choices. And so I feel like that I took have, me till my 30s to figure out. <laughs> oh, I'm still Oh, wait a minute. I have to live in this. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that. And I remember when I, I had that realization and it, luckily I had that realization because I was able to turn around. I mean, I still see plenty of people who are making those same kind of choices where they're like, oh, yeah, yeah fuck the world. And I'm yeah. like, no, that's really fucking yourself, actually. Yeah. So good luck with that. But you're going to end up. That was the funniest part. So it was all so heartrending, but there was like a really funny moment in it. Like we had to go and meet with her and the counselor. And before she came in, the counselor told us, like, look, I don't think she's really a suicidal kid. I think she's just a normal teenager. I think she's just struggling with a lot of like fitting in and peer pressure, like you said, and all that stuff. And we were like, okay. And she's like, so she, they brought her in and she shared a bunch of stuff with us, like personal stuff and what she needed and, and, um, what she needed to feel supportive and like where we had failed her. And, um, we were like, you know, listened to her the whole thing. And we were like, okay, you know, we want to help you. And we're definitely going to listen to what you need. Here are 
the consequences that you're going to have to live with because of what happened. And um, that was, we took away her phone and her laptop and she's grounded from her friends for a while. And she lost her fucking mind in the most, like I finally understood my parents in that moment because I was like, this is really great. (laughs) She was so mad. Like she had been like upset but when we told her that we were taking her iPhone away, it was like, we had been like, and also we're going to cut off your legs. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of the, and she was so mad. She like lost her mind and she had to leave and go collect herself. And then when she came back, she was like, I just am really scared because I'm a feel like I'm a danger to myself without my iPhone. And I was like, uh-huh. I love being a parent. <laughs> this is the first enjoyable moment I've had in 12 years. <laughs> And and it was just such a funny like she was freaking out and we kept looking at each other over over her, and I don't want the, any of this to sound like I'm making fun of her because in that moment I also had this total connection to my own mother and remembering these meltdowns I would have where I'd be like, I don't know if I I don't know if I can live if I can't go to Jessica's house, I'm probably gonna die and my mom would be like, okay, and I just like had this like circle of life moment that right. was really like, ha shwenya. <laughs> To get iPhone, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very satisfying. And it was really funny because we were just like, okay, well, I'm sorry that upsets you. Hopefully your behavior will change. And she was like, so, so I'm struggling and I'm sad and you take away my iPhone? And we were like, uh-huh. pretty much, pretty much. And then since she's been home, she's been really pretty great, actually. And like, at first she sort of freaked out about the new limitations and we were like, if you freak out about that, they'll just be extended. And she was like, fuck. And it's like you said, it's like we're helping her be like, oh, I made this and now I have to sit in it. This isn't fun or rebellious or cool. So hopefully that sticks, but also probably three more years of that. Yeah, I, I really think that that's what you're, I mean, and I don't, I don't have kids. I've only just been around a lot of people with kids and mm-hmm. been a kid myself and been around a lot of teenagers. And I would have to say, in my experience, that's just how it's going to be yeah. for a lot of kids and a lot of parents. And eventually they'll come around. It's eventually it'll get better. And yeah. I, you know, I think there's a lot of it is science. Yeah. It's a lot about brain development. Oh yeah. Their brains it's are a lot about weird hormones and, and you that's know, why scientific, their brains are weird and small. <laughs> well, I'm throwing a bunch of science. <laughs> I'm using words like hormones. <laughs> But I really think like there's there's no getting out of it and there's no like coming to terms with those things that are physical and chemical yeah. Yeah. in a developing body. And to be mad at that, you know, like I, I think I do have a lot of compassion for the fact that like it's a, it's a little like when you're PMSing and yeah. you're like, I'm being unreasonable about this and I know it. Right. But you're the feeling is still overwhelming still in, there. in there. And it's but it's like that all the time amped up to a thousand and I remember as a teenager being so racked with feelings, you yeah. know, and, and I do have a lot of empathy for her that like, she's just that you have to go through this and that your job as a parent is to just be like continually kind of dispassionate. And you also have nothing else going on yeah. to distract you from your feelings. Mm-hmm. Your whole existence is like in front of you, in your face, in mm-hmm. a mirror, feelings. Yeah. And you're, and so, you're physically so awkward and like you hate your body and you hate your mind and you hate, like you haven't grown into yourself in any way. Like it really is the worst. Cause like she was, when at one point when I was talking to her, she was like crying and she was like, I just hate myself. I just hate myself. And I was like, everybody feels that way. 
all the time. Yeah. Like you grow out of it a little bit in your 30s. I think you start to be like, maybe I'm not the worst thing in the world. Maybe I'm not a burning trash heap of a person. And I was like, I don't know. I'm still a burning trash heap of a person, but I have more self-awareness to know that it's it's also a lot of conditioning mm-hmm. that I've done for myself yeah. to convince myself of that. So I'm like, well, also so is everybody else. Yeah. So. And I think when you start to realize that everybody feels that way, right. that everybody's walking around like, I'm the worst. <laughs> you know what I time. actually, what I hate is people who don't self-loathe, who are like super confident for no apparent reason. I think it's all, it's all bravado. <laughs> Because then when you get to know those people, they're a pit of self-loathing every time. Like, you should hate yourself more. If I was you, I would super hate myself. <laughs> yeah. I hope you tell them that. I don't. Well, well I don't I, have I, I, My heart goes out to you because you. I think that that is a, a real trial of parenting. It is. It's in, I was very resentful and kind of mad about it at first and, and really upset and angry and just like, God damn it. Right. But then I kind of had the realization that like, um, these are like your weird life opportunities for growth is hard shit like this. And so hopefully she comes out of it and grows from it. But then I was also like, this is a place for me to learn to be more compassionate, more patient, you know, more kind and I was just like all right yeah fine let's let's do the hard work of this and try to come out a little better because at first I was just like on Christmas are you fucking kidding me but I feel like in the end it ended up being kind of good and it helped it helped us get closer to her and I think it's easy with a teenager like they just hide in their room and so you're kind of like okay we'll stay there you're unpleasant and so we we she was like I want you to want me around more and it made me realize that like when she's up in her room I'm not I'm not inclined to go get her often to come eat dinner with us I'm like because I know it's going to be a fight but that's so much of being a person and like being a good person is willing to have the fight right over and, and keep over. trying yeah that's keep one trying. thing I will I will give my mother mm-hmm. as nasty as I've been to her over the years she still tries yeah she still just keeps calling keeps asking keeps you know mm-hmm. like boy if somebody treated me like that I'd be like all right we're done here <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? So I guess the only thing I would have for this week in Mansplain is, uh, I don't know, just maybe uh, Mansplain teenagers to me. <laughs> mansplain how to raise a teenager. Because I... This you is my think f- anybody knows? I don't Do think. Do you think anybody is winning that? No, but you know what? That's the perfect Mansplain thing, because usually it's a question that's like, this is unanswerable, that one, somebody, <laughs> one guy will be like, actually... <laughs> I saw on Reddit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like, oh, what a source. So, yeah. Well, let's move to This Week in Mom. So you're still, are you still? Yeah, I have nothing to contribute. Fighting? Fighting? No, just, just, well, my sister had a baby this week. Mm-hmm. So um, that has totally preoccupied my mom. Mm-hmm. And Is this her first grandkid? It's her second, but she's only still a very new grandmother because she, my other sister had a baby in September. Okay. And so um, it's all brand new and very, okay. very, very exciting. Um, and my, my younger sister, who just had a baby, um, had to have the baby early. And so they're still in the hospital and it's needed a lot of attention. And so it's been great for her because that's, you know, where she feels really like she can contribute. That's where she excels. Yeah. Taking care of people. and Yeah. Especially babies. Mm-hmm. She had four babies, so she's very baby, baby focused. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't 
nothing's happened, which is good. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad the holidays are over. Yeah, me too. As much as I like the the time off and the togetherness and everything, Mm -hmm. it really takes a different kind of emotional energy that I have just a really finite amount of, Mm -hmm. and it's tapped now, (laughs) so... Yeah, I feel Let's the same go way. refill the well at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was enough togetherness. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Um, it was kind of a big week in moms. I think that um because of that stuff with my stepdaughter, I ended up calling my mom and being like like I, I called her a couple days ago and was just like telling her about how hard it was and how stressful and she had stepkids too and stepdaughters and just telling her how hard it was and how, how like I felt mad and resentful and I was having a hard time like being compassionate and, and just that also like so much of it, like just the teenager stuff was so like kind of heartbreaking. Like, um, in looking through, like, I really do think I'm a very patient, very kind stepmother. And I, like, I've never said a harsh word ever to my stepdaughter. I'm always, I always really, cause I had a really mean shitty stepmom. So I kind of am like, probably lean too much the other way where I'm too nice, too permissive. Like I'm too, uh, I don't want to, even as a parent, as a person, I I avoid conflict a lot. So, um, I, I read in some of the texts she had sent that on, this was on Christmas day that she had been telling people that, you know, she was suicidal. She wasn't feeling right. And people were like, go tell your parents. And she was like, Oh, well, my dad, you know, he doesn't care. And da, 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 da. And she often says stuff like that about Dylan, about how he's a monster and he's so mean to her and blah, blah, blah. But she, she had said, somebody was like, well, why can't you talk to Emma? You know, Emma's always been really good to you. And she's like, I did talk to her. I told her I felt suicidal. And she told me, why can't you stop being like this? Leave me alone. Which is a complete fucking lie. (laughs) And it hurt my feelings so bad. Like, I really, it weirdly hurt my feelings where I was like, so nice to you and why would you say that and I just was like because it's not about you in any way shape or form it really isn't and that's I told it made me think back on some things I had done as a teenager or or even as an adult to my mom where like you're able to take that love for granted and you can just be so shitty and awful like one time my I was talking to somebody about my mom and saying how annoying she was and then years later my mom revealed that she had overheard that conversation and that it had really hurt her feelings. And, like, for my mom to admit that, it was huge. Like, she never talks about anything. But she just was like, oh, yeah, it really hurt my feelings. And and she had been coming back to bring us cookies. Right. And I was shit-talking her. And right. and this was as an adult, too. So it was even worse. And I – so I called her and was just telling her all this stuff. And she was being really sympathetic and just like, oh, it's so hard. I know. And I had this, like um, – you know, I'm in, like, a recovery 12-step kind of program. And I've been stuck on the ninth step where you make amends. I've been stuck on my yeah, mom's – Yeah, you apologize to me. Yeah. <laughs> Not even one. Not even one time. Not even. I'm Jocelyn. I'd like to make amends for saying thirty instead of twenty earlier. That's on me, and I'm a pop. Yeah, just fat joke, like right <laughs> off the right bat. Off, right off the bat. You're a cow. <laughs> thirty pounds. <laughs> and that's being generous because you really should lose forty-five. Oh God. <laughs> No, I was just like, I've been really stumped on that because I've had a lot of anger at my mom for stuff that happened when I was a kid. And every time I think about, um, and I'm almost done with everybody else, but like with her, every time I think about like the things I need to apologize for, all I can be like, well, she hurt me first. (laughs) She hurt my feelings first and I don't want to say sorry. So I was like, oh, I, but as we were sitting there talking, I was like, oh my God, I have made this poor woman miserable (laughs) 
for 35 years I have made her miserable. And I totally just had this like wave of like what a shithead I've been. And like all the times I've just taken her for granted and just been like unkind to her. And, and for, I was a really shitty teenager and I think I never really, I, even that I've kind of been like, well, yeah, so <laughs> like, it's cute when I do it kind of thing, you know? Like, so I, in that phone conversation was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I put you through hell, not just as a teenager, as an adult. I was like, I don't think I ever really realized how fucking hard this is and terrible. So we had a really good conversation and it was nice. It was like, a, I don't know, it was good. And it was probably the mo- one of the most real conversations we've ever had where I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This is f- so much harder than I thought it would be. And like, I have a lot more empathy. And my mom, of course, she's so Swedish and so nice. She was like, oh, well... <laughs> You know, like that was the whole response. See, that's that's so funny because I feel like, I mean, I could go back and look at my resolution year, uh, list in years past, and usually they include the sentence, I will be nicer to my mother. Mm-hmm. So I have complete awareness at how I treat my mom. Mm-hmm. There And while it's happening, I know that I'm not doing the right thing and I'm not saying the right thing, that I need to be kinder and I need to be more compassionate and I need to be more understanding of her. And yet I cannot do it. And so much of it is just, it's just gut reaction and, you know, conditioning or something. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I wish I could overcome my immaturity and my handicap with our relationship and just like let her be who she is. Like she's going to she's going to be who she is, and and those things are gonna be continue to be part of her personality. And yet, if I as soon as I'm in a room with her, like my shoulders stiffen, and I'm like, oh god, what's she gonna say now? You <laughs> yeah, know? and yeah, and I'm I like, know. I could be kind here, but mm-hmm. I'm probably not gonna be. I'm probably gonna roll my eyes at her. Yeah, I feel like I was that. That's where I was for a long time with her, and it's only been in the last year with not just her, but with all of my family, where I've started to just kind of let them be who they are, kind of let them have their dysfunctions and be like, eh, they're still pretty great. Like, they're still pretty, like, a warm, wonderful group of people, even though they're flawed and they drive me insane, you know? And I think, like, my relationship with them has gotten a lot better in the last year. And and that, like, finally being able to be like, hey, I'm sorry I was such a shitty person to you so many times. How can I make that better moving forward and she was like oh I you know we could have lunch you know (laughs) like that everything is forgiven already you know like it was it was it was very nice to kind of have that I don't know closure or whatever with it but well congratulations thanks (laughs) some of us are doing the work Jocelyn (laughs) yeah some of us are some of us aren't some of us are not some of us aren't ready to do the work because no. it's going to be so much work. It's so I'm not, and it's I'm being forced into it. It's not like I'm like you know what? This, it's not. It's never been on my New Year's resolution list to be nicer to my mom. I've always been like, no, she was she was rude first. She shot first. Mm-mm. So now I'm just being pushed into it unwillingly. Yeah. So that's that's my weekend, moms. Good. Yeah. I actually did go out to dinner with my parents. Um, the night that baby was born and my brother and sister-in-law were in town and there was, um, I realized something about my parents, which really irritates me. Um, and it's that they love to tell stories about adventures and things that they've done travel. 
And I was sitting there and I've done a fair amount of traveling in my life. And my brother and sister-in-law have done tons of traveling. They've lived in China and the Philippines and Sweden. And yet, no matter what, my parents only tell the stories of their adventures and never ask us about our adventures. Mm -hmm. And they went on this just like epic cruise that went around... It went down South America and then went around the Horn of Africa and then they went to Antarctica. And at the same time they were on that trip, I was in Bali and Singapore and Hong Kong and Korea. And we all got back from our trips at the same time. And I remember it was like two days of my parents talking about every meal that they ate, everything that Mm -hmm. they saw. And they never asked me about my trip. Mm -hmm. And here we are sitting at the table again and they're telling the same stories that they've been telling for years and years about all these crazy wonderful things that they've done and I was like and you're sitting at a table with your children who have had equivalent if not even more exotic amazing adventures and you never ask that is funny isn't that weird yeah that is that's weird and I keep thinking I should call them out on that and then I was like oh really you're gonna call them out and make a big fight about it but yeah I don't know. It seems so bizarre to me. That is bizarre. I don't even have an explanation for that. It's like they're so excited about this particular aspect of life, which is, you know, making memories, which they've instilled in all of us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that same desire. And yet they don't really care what we're doing. That's so funny. My, My family, my parents, and so my parents and my aunt, who was also kind of raised by they're very fearful. They don't go anywhere. Like, my family goes to the same two places for vacation every year. Nobody goes anywhere else. Like, my, my mom hasn't been on a plane, I don't even know, like, I mean, since my grandfather died, probably, like, 18 years ago. Wow. She does not travel, period. Like, they'll go to Sun Valley and or, like, to the coast, to the Oregon coast. They don't travel at all. And But then they when I travel, because I travel a bunch for yeah. work... They treat it almost like a um, like something kind of something kind of wrong I'm doing. <laughs> so they don't. If they ask about it, it's like it's kind of accusatory. Like, oh, so I saw you were in New York. How was that? <laughs> but it's not like tell us about New York. How was New York? It's like, well, I can't believe you're the kind of kid who went to New York. I guess that's who you are now. <laughs> hmm. So it's all like they don't ever really want to know like how cool something is or how much fun I had somewhere. Like, I was trying to, I was like, you guys have to come to Nashville. Because my parents are, like, super into country western stuff. And I was like, you would love Nashville. You would love it here so much. And I have some friends who are in, like, amazing country western bands there. And I could get them into cool shows. And I was like, you guys have to come here. Just, like, come for a weekend. Buy the tickets. Come when I'm doing a show, when I'm booked at Zany's or whatever. And my mom was like, oh, I don't know. Tennessee's really far. I was like, it's not. It's not far at all. It's like, you can get there in, like, six hours with layover. Like, it's so close. But, like, they treated even that, like, with kind of, like, oh, I don't know, like, suspicion. There's, like, weird suspicion. So your parents have the opposite of that, where they're, like, maybe they don't want to hear about places that they haven't been to because they're, like, kind of disgusted with you guys for being there first and being better travelers. Maybe they're travel jealous, like, travel envious. So, like, you're, like, oh, we went, I went to Bali, and they're, like, nobody wants to hear about Bali, Jocelyn. (laughs) We're talking about Antarctica right now. They love they don't want to be, Antarctica. <laughs> they don't want to be upstaged. Yeah, the penguins. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
I don't want to harp on them anymore. <laughs> they sound like horrible people. people. They They're actually really people. nice no, people. No, same with my family. <laughs> I just keep noticing other things to kind of nitpick at now that I've spent. You know you what know. else? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then who who do you hate this week? Oh. Okay, in my people I hate this week, I went to get a flu shot, mm-hmm. which I had to do because of the new baby. And I was like, oh, I'll just dash right over to the Rite Aid and go to the little express care thing that they have. Well, I chose a really bad time to go, which was four o'clock in the afternoon, which I thought would actually be a really good time. It wasn't. But there was uh, quite a line ahead of me. There was three people ahead of me. And the people that I hate are the people that give irrelevant and extra information in situations that requires them to give very small amounts of information to move things along. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed this also in um, like jury duty. Some people see these situations as an opportunity to tell their story. Oh yeah. Like they treat it like an open mic. Yeah. Oh my God. Real life open micers. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I'm already waiting 45 minutes Mm -hmm. in this shitty waiting room where it stinks. They're playing horrible music And this couple in front of me is probably in their late 60s, and he's in there for an earache, which I know because they've been talking incessantly about his earache. So they finally get called back, and I can hear the entire conversation with the, you know, the check-in nurse. And the guy is almost totally deaf, and so his wife is there with him, and she is alternately answering the questions when the lady asks, and then also trying to yell the questions at him and then waiting for him to answer. And so it's already taking a really long time. But like one of the questions was, do you have any chronic illnesses? And so the guy's like, well, he's been waiting his whole life for someone to ask this. I have been, I had, I would say like two migraines in the last couple of years, not a chronic condition, migraines, two migraines doesn't constitute. And then he's like, when I was in high school, Oh Jesus. I had a brain tumor. And then he starts talking about his, like, treatment for his brain tumor that happened, like, 50 years ago. And I'm like, how is this related to your ear infection? Do you think that it's related? And then she's like, are you still on Ironwood? I have an Ironwood address. Well, what was it, two months ago or three months ago? I think... It must have been three months ago. Oh, we're still living on Ironwood, but see, we're living in an apartment complex, and we changed apartments, so now we used to be on the ground floor, and now we're on the second floor. I'm like, fucking, what is your address? <laughs> all she wants to know is your address. And I also, there's like all these people waiting. Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, they just went on and on and on. Like, every single question, they had to have a detailed answer that had nothing to do with the question yeah and i understand that people are lonely and i understand that it makes them feel important to be able to give information about themselves Mm -hmm. but seriously find a way to be important in your life other than the quick care clinic yeah come to the open mic down at liquid wednesday (laughs) night it was just i was there for two and a half hours and all i needed was a fucking flu shot which took two minutes yeah. And, you know. That is a really good person to hate. Those people are the worst. And I, the, the people who treat every situation like an open mic are the people. Like, those are the people. I'm usually, like, pretty calm. But when I'm behind somebody like that, I'm like, I get like that. Like, you. Oh, my God. 
I wanted to go just, like, give them a little tutorial on yeah. how to answer questions yeah. as a quick care. And it's not just old people. Like, you no, see no, no, people no. do it everywhere where you're like, is this your only social interaction? Yeah. That you're telling the guy at Shucks <laughs> your life story about how your brother lost an arm when you guys were bow hunting? Uh, yeah, those yeah, people make then, me nuts. Then the other person that was there that just made me, like, I was just baffled by. So this lady comes up. She's probably in her early 50s. And she's standing there at the, like, check-in area. And the nurse says to her, are you here for the clinic? And she kind of looks around. And she says, oh, there's a clinic? And she's like, no. And then she stands there for, like, 15 more minutes. So the lady says, are you here for the clinic? And she's like, no, I was just wanting to see somebody about my cough. <laughs> I was like, Doesn't she know that the sign that says quick care clinic means that she's like there for the clinic? She's yeah. there for the clinic. You're here for the clinic. And she, just, she was just going to stand there like forever and not say anything. I don't know. Like what? What's this planet? That What's you're your on? plan here? What's your plan? Yeah, you're just, just gonna, gonna stand, stand here until forever. somebody comes and looks in your mouth. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah so those... then I thought, oh, please don't take her in in front of me because she doesn't no. even know she's at the clinic. No, and that, so that's what that's what if you've got the cough, they're gonna check in with you at the clinic. It's like I I don't want her answering a question about her address. Please <laughs> God, <laughs> not here. She's got no idea. Not in front of everyone. <laughs> So anyway, that was my people that I ate this week. Those are good people. <laughs> Those are good people. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I hope Year. your 2016 is productive and fun. And yeah. yeah. We both look like we don't have any faith in that. We both like slumped our shoulders mm. and went like... Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It'll, if, it, if it isn't fun and productive, it'll at least be different. Yeah. There you go. Be nice to your mom. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.